What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Cut. Christian, Sean, Randy, back for all of your mediocre fancy football advice. Boys, how is it going? It's it's going well, man. We're all very sleepy. Uh, and by we all, I mean Randy and I. I don't know if you're sleepy. Can't speak for you, but... Uh, ready to to dive into our wide receiver rankings and then get to that interview because the interview with Frank is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. Um, we loved having him on. It, it, we got we definitely dove uh, deep into some um, kind of stuff. A lot of there's a lot of rookie stuff on that one. There was, uh, yeah, and uh, some other stuff about a certain player that I kind of went on a rant about in our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. We'll get into that later. It's cool. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so today we don't have a triple R for you guys. We'll have one next week. Um, kind of disappointed in that, but stay tuned because the next one will be even better than the past ones. Uh, so like Christian said, we're going to get into uh, part one of our wide receiver rankings for the 2020 season. And then uh, you guys will be able to hear the interview that we did with Frank. Uh, Frank Amarante is from Rotoballer. So and he was a great guy. Uh, it was it was really fun talking uh, football and a little bit of baseball with him. So uh, you guys will hear that. But first, there is our wide receiver rankings to address. So the much to I don't think it's anyone's surprise, especially if they know Christian and I well at all. Um, especially these top two guys because Christian knows I'm a big number two guy, but Christian's a big number one guy, and I'm a big number one guy. Number one, I do is, like PN. You know what I'm saying? Just say that. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it a minute so you realize what you just did. Why? I do. Why is that back to back episode or just us coming <laughs> after you for making awkward silences? Like because he's an idiot. <laughs> it's okay. I am not an idiot. I, I hope um, you realize as soon as those words left your mouth, how like what happened. Well, I can edit what I said out, so it's just a big mystery. You know what? I doesn't seem very immature of you, young one. Yeah, easy young Padawan. Fuck off. <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, we can maybe get into that another time. Anyway, who's number, number one, one on our receiver rankings? It's Michael Thomas. Uh, three, we have him what? at. No, oh, good one, Christian. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We have. I, I can't even get through a full sentence without him being an I'm so sorry. Go on. <laughs> Uh, we have Michael Thomas at 130 receptions for 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns on 168 targets. That finishes at 336.2 fantasy points, which tops our rankings. As good as he is, as much as I love him as a player, the question is Emmanuel Sanders. He hasn't, Michael Thomas hasn't dealt with a guy like Emmanuel Sanders in a couple of seasons. Uh, so basically my question to you guys is, is he due to kind of regress back to the mean a bit? Uh, here, I'll field this one to start. Uh, so if you actually compare his stats from here to stats from last year, this is actually regression back to the mean in every single category except touchdowns, which makes sense with the full season of Breeze, hopefully. Um, so yeah, we, we have clear, we have accounted for Emmanuel Sanders in this offense. Just with the healthy breeze, they pass a lot. Yeah, I I think I I agree. Obviously, he did. I mean, I think he scored over 380 points last year. The thing about Michael Thomas is last year you were able to rely on him for at least 
20 points a game, basically. It was about 18 where you were comfortable, you knew you were getting 18. I think there might be a couple of weeks where Michael Thomas busts this year in terms of that production. So you might get 10 points out of him, but he's still going to have the explosive uh, 30-plus point weeks, and you're going to be happy with him if you draft him high. I mean, like Randy said, this is regression, and he's still our wide receiver one. Yeah, a little bit of that Julio Jones feel, what you're calling that. This yes. Still get your points. Be like, ah, you could have got a touchdown there. Really, at the one yard line. Yeah, dude, I had to suffer. I think it was two years ago where he was just allergic to the end zone, and I had to yeah. suffer through that because I always find Julio on my redraft teams every season, just because I've and you guys know that I've always been a huge Julio Jones guy, and it, that was like literally pulling teeth just watching that stuff happen and um, just seeing where the touchdowns went when it wasn't him. You were like, it was going to backup tight ends. Um, Calvin Ridley was a rookie that year, I believe. Cause he's in his third year now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he, like, he was, so he was starting to get some touchdowns and especially those two that's frustrated me because Julio is number 11 Ridley's 18. So I would always see the one I'd be like, Oh cool. And then I'd be like, that's not him. He's yeah, much shorter. We're going to get a little bit of that experience with the integration of Emmanuel Sanders into this offense, basically. So, yeah. He's going to be what? He's probably going to be number 10. Michael Thomas is number three. Oh, God. I'm not going <laughs> to deal with that again. Well, yeah. Michael Thomas is 13. He's going to be probably number 10. That's so, it's going to be. Well, isn't, isn't like Traquan or someone 10? Well, when was the last time a Colts receiver actually had an eight number? Because, like, like even Marquise Colston was 16. Brandon Cooks was 12. Like they've always had receivers with the number with with in the teens. Yeah, Saints Saints always do that. I think Ginn was like or something like that. Yeah, and uh, always have. It's fine. It it's Listen, just why can't they just realize that that like to help out the fantasy players? Like, why do they care so much about like what number means to them or something? Like, hey, help out the freaking fantasy. You know, Selfish as shit, man. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's <do that>. <laughs> <laughs> so. Year in and year out, he's my favorite receiver. One of them, I guess, because I said Thomas was too. Um, but I always like having Devontae Adams on my team, and he comes in at number two. Uh, 109 receptions on 158 targets, 1,293 yards with nine touchdowns. Uh, that, that touchdown number is definitely obviously making a jump from last year, but that means it's because he's healthy, and um, Aaron Rodgers should be healthier than he was last year, and who the hell else is going to catch the ball on Green Bay? Yeah. Alan Lazard. Well, there, there's going to be people catching up for sure, but uh, I don't believe Sean said it. He, fi- he finishes with 290.3 fantasy points, and so he's he's well within striking distance of Michael Thomas, especially if Sanders takes even bigger chunk, because we know no one's taking a chunk away from Devontae Adams in this offense. Uh, if you actually got to watch some of those Packer games without Adams in the lineup... They were starving for someone to be a red zone target, and that ended up actually being the running backs, uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I think it goes right back to Adams. He had five last year with limited time. I think nine's a great number. I think it's a guarantee of seven. So, uh, and it's it's not like we just changed that number before we started recording or anything. <laughs> well, it's because well, yeah, because Christian put the wrong number at on accident. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I don't know why I thought that Devonte Adams would have anything less than seven. Um, so maybe I overcompensated here and gave him nine, but it wouldn't have mattered. He still would have been our wide receiver too. Yeah. Um, he's he's a stud, man. He's gonna get fed the freaking ball. He has to. <laughs> Especially and hopefully he's yeah. healthy for an entire season. Yeah, I hope and Rogers obviously. So we'll see how that goes. But Jordan Love will be fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. He hasn't. Sorry. You know, Devontae Adams hasn't played a full season since 2016, though. But it's been 14 games, 15 games, and 12. Yeah, as long as you're playing 14, 15, I'm fine with it. Yeah. You just hope it doesn't come at a key time. Again, their depth chart: Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, and Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> Devin Funches. Their sleeper doesn't even list him on there. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> All right, so moving on here to our wide receiver three. This I've found in the leagues that I've had. I know a lot of them are dynasty, but I, I actually have done a redraft league. I already have it. I have like no shares of Tyreek Hill, and I'm kind of scared to death. I, I'm sure maybe I'll pick him up in some redraft, but he comes in as wide receiver three for us. Uh, 82 receptions on 128 targets, 1,243 yards, and 11 touchdowns, which brings it to 271.6 fantasy points. I mean, yes, Mahomes had a worse year than obviously he did in his first like full season because we talked about it. He had 50 touchdowns. Like That's nuts to repeat. But Sammy Watkins is still a thing in Kansas City, much to Christian's hatred. Michael Hardman is going to be entering his second season. So you, want, you wonder if he's going to start doing a little bit more. And plus they still have Demarcus Robinson and they added a pass catching running back in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Does Tyreek Hill scare you away from the other big name receivers because there's a lot of mouths to feed in Kansas City? For but so the guys around him though, besides I guess Adams, there's a lot of mouths to feed everywhere. That's kind of the point. Uh but they are you are going to be the most explosive offense we see yet again this year? And in my point, in my perspective, they've gotten better than last year, especially if Hill and Mahomes can stay healthy. So this is an offense that I want every piece I can get. Really, I mean, even Hardman and probably not Watkins, but you know, that's just a Fuck. personal thing. Uh, it's not you, Sammy. Uh, <laughs> sorry, had had to. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Tyreek Hill is incredible. He only needs one play in a game to win your week, pretty much. He is an outstanding player that's going to get touchdowns, and that's what's going to keep him above other guys. Uh, you got other guys that are getting older, much older than him, some people switching teams. So I, I think him at three is very, very reasonable. Uh, this is a step up in production from last year, but he was hurt and Mahomes was hurt. So you would have to assume that he just keeps climbing up the rankings. Yeah, I mean, Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins don't scare me at all. No. Uh, McCole Hardman definitely does a little bit uh, <laughs> because, I mean, that dude scored. The thing is, Hardman scored six touchdowns last year on very limited targets, very limited playing time even. Um so I'm interested to see if he takes a second year leap, but 
as I'm t- talking myself through this, like that's only going to help Tyreek because if you've got to worry about both of them beating you over top, who do you shade? Uh, which, which side do you shade to? And I mean, maybe that means that Hardman gets a, a few more wide receiver one level weeks uh, and Tyreek doesn't, but I'm still comfortable having Tyreek on my team despite him being a shitty fucking human being. Okay. Tell him like it is. <laughs> he is. Fuck him. I actually don't think I've had Tyreek Hill on the team ever. So I should probably try that. Might win some more. Yeah. I remember I a couple uh, a couple of years ago I had the Hill and Mahomes stack and when Mahomes went nuts. Safe to say I won that league pretty handily. Yeah. yeah. I mean it, every guy in this top five, in my opinion, has every shot to be the, the top receiver. Unlike the running backs where we were pretty much arguing arguing between two guys for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Agreed. Yes, I also agree. Splendid. <laughs> Indubitably. All right. Uh, wide receiver four is the aforementioned Julio Jones. Uh, 92 receptions on 144 targets, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, which totals out to 268.2 fantasy points. Now, Christian, this question is for you because I know how much you absolutely adore Calvin Ridley. I'm guessing you have his poster up on your wall. Um, does Ridley cut into Julio's production? Um, normally the answer would be no. Um, and this year I kind of think he does. Uh, a lot of things are pointing to the Godwin Mike Evans flip that happened last year uh, happening with Ridley and Jones. I don't necessarily think that's terrible for Jones, but I think it does cap his ceiling. I think Julio's going to be a top fr- probably eight receiver, but there's a chance, in my opinion, that Calvin Ridley could be a top five receiver. They're going to have to pass. We've talked about how shitty the Falcons are going to be um, defensively, and they're going to throw over 600 times. And so they both can be wide receiver ones, in my opinion, and that does cap Julio for me this year. I probably won't have many shares of him. For for me, like Ridley, well, he's. I think he takes a little bit more of a step up again because he just keeps getting better and better, and he deserves it truly. But where I don't think he caps Julio, I think he caps Hayden Hurst. I think he takes away the Hooper targets more than people are assuming. Uh, from where I see Hurst getting drafted, at least Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. is a top tier receiver. He's going to be a wide receiver too, no matter what. I, I, if he if he ends up behind wide receiver twenty four, I would probably take that bet with anyone. <laughs> like I, I couldn't see it. He would have Barring to get hurt. injury. Yeah, yeah, he would. He would literally have to get hurt. Calvin Ridley is Christian's dark horse candidate to finish as a wide receiver one, isn't he? As the the wide receiver. Uh, yeah. One. Right. Now, is that in in your mind? Is that Jesus. a Julio injury too, or is that just that he surpasses him? Because I would agree um, with you if Julio got hurt. I don't know if it's possible if, if Julio's out there all 16. Yeah, but like, you, you say that, but people, Ridley's never had that number one attention. So it's, I'm not agreeing with that at all. I think, I, yeah, I actually think the opposite. I think if Julio stays healthy, it's more likely. Because 
the like Randy said, the attention goes to him and frees up Ridley. But Ridley, it's of course for a reason. At least in my eyes, Ridley isn't the type of receiver that's going to be able to physically dominate these double teams that Julio just does. So that's that's going to be scary for the future of Ridley. Yeah, that I that I also agree with. Yep. I probably right. can too. So number five, and I think this out of the top five, this is probably the most worrisome based on the, where he is just because he moved teams. DeAndre Hopkins, 104 receptions for 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, 267 fantasy points. So we think of the quarterback he had in Deshaun Watson to the quarterback he has now in Kyler Murray. You could argue that pass that throwing wise, it's a step down right now because we don't necessarily know what Kyler's ceiling is as a thrower. We know what he can do with his feet. They still have Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald came back again for another season. I think this is Hold another <laughs> I think this is another scenario where the change of scenery is going to hurt the value only for one year because I think next year Fitzgerald's gone. I think Kirk slides into the slot and Hopkins just goes nuts. So are you guys worried at all that Hopkins won't finish in the top five? So with all those factors being said, and I think you could clearly say that Watson at this point is better than Kyler. Uh, you could say the the wide receiver room itself is better uh, than, than in Houston. You could say the running back room is for sure better. Line even, I guess. So the the thing is, the receiver room is better and everything, but I think they're going to throw more. So I think he's going to get pretty much the same the same amount of targets. So as long as he continues his – him and Michael Thomas are always the ungodly catch percentage guys. As long as they keep that going, I don't see a problem really. Um, and they should be a pretty high-powered offense. A touchdown shouldn't be that big a worry. I think it's. I think just because of how I assume this offense will attack, I think it's going to be a pretty lateral move from a statistic-wise. I don't know if he. I, he's definitely not going to get the same kind of uh, market share. Yeah, I, that I agree with. But we can take it back to Julio. I think having Kirk and Fitz actually helps Hopkins because. Hopkins to me is a guy that can transition to a different team and be fine because he's not like Odell in that uh, he runs funky ass stuttering routes um, that it takes timing. Hopkins is a really good possession guy. He catches everything that's thrown even remotely in his area. Um, And I think that's really going to help Kyler and, I think fits for one year does open that up for hop. I think there, there is a chance that he doesn't finish top five and that would be if Kyler doesn't really take a step forward, but I think we're assuming that Kyler does, right? Yes. Yeah. This, this offense is going to be much improved. That's just how it works. So while I will, I will also agree that I think there is a good chance that, he falls outside the top five, but we're talking minuscule numbers there. Yeah. Sean, what are you trying, trying to find? 
I'm looking up his like career uh, here. So target share percentage in 2019, it was nuts. It was 30%. And in 2018, (laughs) it was 32%. Like those are gigantic numbers. That's not going to happen again. But he's not like Christian said, he was only targeted 25 times. He was only he only had twenty five deep targets all of last year, which was the which finished fourteenth among receivers. Um, so it's I guess even if Murray's rolling out out of the pocket a lot, uh, because they're I don't know who knows how good their line is going to be. I know they've made some improvements, but it's it it it's not like the line wasn't great going into the offseason. But um, he, Hopkins is a guy that can create separation on those out routes too. So the receptions may be there, but again, I think that target share is definitely going to go down. I I won't say – I don't want to say definite. I think there's a solid chance, but like I said, I think they throw well – they throw a ton of passes. I think they're throwing all th- – like I think they're throwing even if they're up 30. I think they're that kind of offense. Uh, and they do want to run four wide receiver sets a lot, so I think he gives everyone a chance. And let's just be honest, Hopkins is going to be the one that gets open most likely, and he should be the first read on almost every play. So where where there could be a dip, I won't I won't say it's going to be drastic. So I mean, worst case, probably like twenty five percent. The one thing that's the one thing that's going to help in um, Arizona is. There's not like a big body tight end that Murray can look at towards the red zone because yeah. I mean what all they have is Dan Arnold and Max Williams. So yeah, and so Hopkins is going to get those looks too because the Kirk's not necessarily that guy. Kirk's more of the big play threat. Uh, him and Andy Isabella, but Hopkins and Fitzgerald are going to be the ones that are looked at in the red zone. And like I said, once Fitzgerald is gone and he finally hangs it up, like Hopkins is going to be as like an absolute stud again. I, I do want to add Hakeem Butler might be a red zone threat. He could. He's yeah, a big but I mean, if, but if you if you have Hakeem Butler, or DeAndre Hopkins, which one of the two are you looking for first? Hakeem Butler, obviously. <laughs> that's why I'm not. An so NFL that's my only worry with Hopkins. <laughs> I'm targeting like in in dynasty. I'm targeting Hopkins anywhere I can get him because, like I said, once Fitzgerald leaves, it's he's going to blow up and go nuts, and Murray's only going to get better. Yeah. For sure, and and so will Kirk, in my opinion. I, I think Kirk should take a step up this year. If he doesn't, it's just because they're trying to allow Fitzgerald to keep his his career going, kind of, and he's going to get all those targets next year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's the top five. Let's get into the next seven. Look at that. I did math all by myself. Congrats. Thanks. Number six is the... <laughs> Another one of Christian's favorite players. I say that ironically. Mm. You hate him. Oh, you hate him. It's Amari Cooper. I drafted him. Yeah, but you hate him. It's true. Okay. 89 reception for 1,247 yards uh, and six touchdowns, ending at 255 fantasy points. Obviously, the question with Cooper is, A, can he stay healthy for one season? And B, well, there's three. I, I was initially going to do two. So can he stay healthy? Does he have one of those like four game stretches where he's just invisible? And C, 
what does adding CD Lamb do? We've talked about it at nauseum that now you're talking three receivers, a lot of mouths to feed, but the Cowboys, I believe, are the, have the second most vacated targets in the entire NFL from 2019 to 2020. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is going to, he's going to go nuts again if he's staying and, on the field. And they have the fourth or fifth most air yards available. Um, and those are going to go to CD. I, CD doesn't worry me for Amari. I think the main question is, is he going to be consistent finally? And the answer is no. That motherfucker it will just not show up for three weeks in a row. Michael Gallup will go off. People will go insane. And then Amari will come back and score 40 fucking fantasy points. And, and that's how he finishes here. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens every year. It's kind of what you have to expect. You have to expect that Amari's going to lose you at least one or two weeks uh, based on how much he busts. But if he finishes wide receiver six, like at some point, I need, I personally need to be willing to take that risk with a guy like him uh, because he's also a league winner. You can get him at value. So for me personally, I think it's strange because I, I think the finish is a little bit too high for me personally. I think the, targets and receptions and yards to an extent are a little bit high, but I also think the touchdowns are low. So while I do think he should be dropped down here or there, I think he has every chance to hit that 10 touchdown number and could keep him right here at six. So it's going to be, it's going to be a weird year to see how they integrate all these new moving pieces and possibly transition back to more running offense. But from the likes of this, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> it looks like we're going to continue with that Dak getting close to 5,000 and just tearing up the league. Let's the record, Let the record show that there, I, in our armchair football league, which is the two quarterback league that we're all in together for the redraft, I have number four, number six, and number nine on this list. Good for okay. you, dude. I have. I have three top 12 running backs in our dynasty league, so eat it. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, and Galladay and Michael how'd, Thomas. How did you finish in that league? Listen. Ooh, that's right. That's right. That, I, didn't right have, I, I didn't have Mixon yet. Was it behind me? I think it was behind me. Ooh, mm. that hurts. None of us won. We all suck. I, I didn't lose money, so there's that. <laughs> yep. All right. Amari Cooper. Good at football, sometimes. Yes, he's. You don't even. You don't, you don't even. Hey, man, he's my wide receiver one in this new dynasty. So he believes it enough. Mm, moving yeah. on to your one of your other top receivers, my dude, and Kenny Galladay, uh, number seven, comes in wide receiver seven, seventy seventy three receptions, thirteen hundred yards, nine touchdowns for two hundred fifty three fantasy points. I mean, I don't even know what to talk about with him because there's not much count coming in that's going to take targets away from him. Matthew Stafford is going to play hopefully the entire year. Now, granted, if he was on a epic or a uh, elite pace or not, doing this again. <laughs> uh, there's not much to say. There's no reason Gaudi won't finish as a wide receiver one, and he is the same age that Calvin Johnson had his breakout with the Lions. So I'm not comparing the two, but this is right about the sweet spot for receivers. 
So Kenny Galladay, if you can go get him in leagues that have already drafted, go get him now. Yeah, the only thing is Marvin Jones missed a lot of time last year, and Galladay really benefited from that. But that was also with Jeff fucking Driscoll. So uh, if you also factor in that Stafford is much better than Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, um, <laughs> then that's wow. where I can see yeah Kenny getting this high. David, David, David Blau. Well, yeah. and I do want to point out wow, that he does get his star quarterback returning. Doesn't really have a lot of people, except maybe a step up from Hawkinson, taking away targets. And this is a very minor increase into a guy that's definitely getting better and better as the years go. So I am very excited for a guy that finished wide receiver nine last year to even get some touch on regression and finishes higher this year at seven. Yep. And I think the one thing um, that I questioned in putting these stats in is the higher catch percentage because Galladay is not really known for that. Um, <laughs> he he's he does drop a lot of balls. Um, and the thing that really made me convinced me to go towards this was, like I said, he had Jeff Driscoll and David Blau throwing to him. I'm sure Stafford's going to put better balls in his hands. We would hope. <laughs> that just yeah. sounded fun. I know. Purposely. Yeah, it wasn't on purpose, you douche. All right. Now, here is where maybe we get a little bit controversial. Even in our own like even in our own thoughts. But number eight on the year is Mike Evans. Ninety three receptions for thirteen hundred and sixteen yards, five touchdowns, uh, which totals out to two hundred and fifty two fantasy points with hundred and twenty one targets. Christian, I know you're not a huge proponent of Mike Evans this year because, well, I guess that's not what I meant, is that of the two, you prefer Godwin because of the kind of quarterback that of what Brady's going to bring to Tampa Bay. I I mean, obviously they both finished as wide receiver ones last year. Both finished within the top five last year. I would agree that I don't, no, necessarily if both of them finish here, but I'm kind of more on the Evans side because I've just always thought he's nuts. He is, but how does he win, man? I mean, he, what? <laughs> how he, he always wins? <laughs> he, yeah, exactly. As a, he's mostly a deep threat. I know we. No, dude. <laughs> he wins by out jumping everyone in the gym. That's what he wins by. I I know, but he climbs the ladder. I know it's insane. He's he's one of the best receivers probably I've ever seen that climb that climbing the ladder. He gets up there and he's going to win possession balls for Brady. And yeah. he gets oh, he gets opened on a regular basis because he is a deep threat. He's very scary for defenses. I I'm on your side here. I don't think Brady is going to be able to get those deep balls sixty yards, but he can get them forty. I can tell you that. <laughs> So he could still win on a four-yard touchdown. So I, my thing is, I think I think touchdowns are low for both of these guys on Tampa. Personally, for us, either way, I think both are wide receiver ones. I think it's pretty much interchangeable who's going to finish higher. I personally would pick Godwin just because he's more of the slot guy, and that's what Brady loves. But 
he hasn't really had a guy like Evans since, I mean, let's be Randy, real, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. I mean, yeah. he's not Randy Moss. Please don't ever say that. But I'm just saying, like, Brady's never had that guy except for that <laughs> those years. Yeah. So Mike Evans finished fourth in deep targets in the entire league last year because he had a guy like Jameis who could fucking fling the ball. I, I just I look at what Tom did in New England with Edelman, and I don't see right, but I don't see a world in which Godwin isn't the number one option. I think you also. I'm probably wrong. I think you have to remember. Uh, yeah, I mean that goes without saying. I mean, when are you not? But um, I think you have to remember too that I that Josh McDaniels kind of had to me. He kind of had to do that because who else was there to catch passes? It was Jacoby Myers. It was Mohamed Sanu for six games, and it was it was what Josh Gordon for three. Antonio Brown for one. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. And look at <laughs> Nikhil and that's Harry a good point, Randy. Look, look, look at what Brady did. I've granted very small sample size, but look at what Brady did when he had Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown went nuts that game. Now, granted, it was also against the Dolphins. Yeah. Look what he did when he had Nikhil Harry. He was targeting him a lot yeah. because he's an outside position guy. He just wasn't ready for it. I mean, he barely got practice reps in. I mean, shit. So was, I can, I can understand be Brady at that level. Christian, I can understand your, your worry a little bit, but I think Brady's never, I mean, like you guys said, um, especially last year, Brady didn't have anywhere near the kind of talent that Evans is on the outside. And we, and to be honest, we don't know what his arm is still. It, it, he, it's yeah. very possible that he could just go out there and sling it to Mike Evans all the time because I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario where they're running the ball a ton because regardless of how people feel about Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, this is going to be a pass-first team. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and my, my biggest thing is the argument's almost just crazy because they're both going to finish almost identical. They so, are. I mean, and we might as well, I mean, just bring it up quickly. Godwin finished 10th with one point less than Mike Evans. I mean, hmm. <laughs> he had a little bit, he had like one less reception, um, a little bit less yards, and one more touchdown. So, and that, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, <laughs> like it's splitting hairs. It's, yeah, it's splitting hairs. I also think Godwin finished low for us. For what it's worth, well, people are probably going to think Evans finished low. Most people have him top five still. It's true. All right, in Dynasty, who would you rather have? Godwin, probably. I, I mean, it's Godwin. I, think it's, I, I do, but I do think it's close. I think it it's close, because, but I because but Godwin, I would think Godwin because he's because, more of a slot and he's younger, yeah. so they're both going to be around most likely for the QB transition to whoever it will be in the future, um, and I think. Godwin obviously is probably going to benefit more being the shorter route guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because like we say this, like Godwin's like a rookie and Mike Evans has been in the league for 10 years. Like Godwin's 24, Evans is 27. Like you only talk three year difference between the two. I think people forget that Evans is still on the younger side. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was kind of just saying that for myself because I have a lot of shares of Mike Evans and Dynasty, and I feel very good about it. Yeah, sure. All right, but, uh, number nine. <laughs> that too, um, but don't keep them both on the same team. That will get a little confusing. Yeah. Um, number nine is a little bit of a surprise, but I think this is just how the three of us feel about him. It is. I would argue that it, it like when you're going through a lot of top twelve rankings, you're not always going to see Allen Robinson's name up there. Now we yeah. know how he like. He I finished, he finished eight last year. Yeah, but he yeah. Was going into the season, he was like he was like our like wide receiver twenty. He was being drafted as like wide receiver twenty. Oh no no no, hundred percent. I'm just saying, are people insane? He finished eight last year, right? But yeah. it, you know what's scaring them away is Christian's is Christian's best friend Mitchell Trubisky. He has never had a good quarterback. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for this dude, man. Anyway, I've been saying that for three years now. <laughs> I know. Allen Robinson, wide receiver, nine, ninety-nine receptions, eleven hundred yards, six touchdowns, and a rushing score. Two hundred fifty-one fantasy points is what we have him set it out as. Now we can get back into it. This poor dude has never had a good quarterback. One thing it. he does, yeah, that's the thing. So Fantasy Pros has him ranked as wide receiver fourteen. Um, that's asinine. Number one, number two. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's their expert consensus. So, um, so that's taken everyone's. Number two, our guy over on the website, um, just wrote a phenomenal piece. I forget his Twitter at, but you need to follow him. He writes great articles. He wrote one about Rojo. So now we're best friends. Um, I'm I'm gonna get his Twitter at, but he just dropped an article. Uh, today, which it, what day is it? Wednesday, um, and it's talking about how Allen Robinson is the most underrated receiver in football, and that's one hundred percent accurate. I don't know why the expert consensus has Allen Robinson regressing, knowing that Nick Foles, if he does step in and and he takes the job from Trubisky, is gonna be able to get the ball to Allen Robinson in some capacity. Um, yeah, 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 what is that? Uh, it is his ad is at Thomas CP518. Yes, what a world we live in where the best quarterback that Allen Robinson will have played in the NFL is Nick Foles. I would, I guess, I that's and then that's if he gets the job from Trubisky. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think right now it's probably Trubisky. Because, I, I mean, I like him better than Bortles, obviously. Teenage Mutant Ninja Bortles. Sorry. That was weird. Uh, I did was not like that. <laughs> I didn't like the feel of that. I'm like, it just it hurt my ears, really. Yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. your face hurts my eyes. That's just a lie. <laughs> but yeah, Robinson, good. Yes, and it's very possible he finishes higher than wide receiver nine. Yeah, he's he's always criminally undervalued, clearly by consensus. Guess what? They're wrong. Uh, <laughs> he's going to finish top 10. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so moving on to wide receiver 10, it's Chris Godwin. We already talked about him, so I'll touch on him just briefly. Uh, 92 receptions for 100 or 1,215 yards and six touchdowns, having him at 251.2 fantasy points. So, I mean, we're talking 1.4 fantasy point difference between him and, and Mike Evans. So we talked about it before. Both of them, hi Dakota, both of them are <laughs> going to be good. Brady's going to sling the ball a ton with under 
Bruce Arians. And get either one as your wide receiver one and feel good about it. Yep. 100%. I'm not going to go into that detail. Now this one. <sighs> sigh. A.J. Brown comes at a wide receiver 11. 80 receptions uh, for 1,124 yards, seven touchdowns, and a rushing score on 111 targets for 250 fantasy points. I talked about this in our regression episode. I think it was either him yeah. or Tampa, but they kind of go hand in hand. We cut, we cut one of the two. I can't remember which one it was, but I think A.J. Brown is not going to finish as high as he did last year, but that's not saying that he can't finish as, as a wide receiver one, but I, to me, it's going to be on the back end, so this is a little bit better. So, so you're saying he, he's not going to finish as high as last year? Was me like, he, finished, he finished 21 last year. Okay, then I guess I kind of, I guess when I kind of statted out everything, it was because, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. And not, not that he's not going to, but everybody's, here, let me rephrase. Everyone's kind of seeing him as like a top five possible guy. I don't see that. No, and so we we have him with I believe like twenty five more receptions, but only a hundred more yards and one less touchdown. Yeah, because so those this, those yards per target are a hundred percent going. Yeah, down. that's going down. So this is more him coming to his own as a receiver who at a university only let their receivers run deep. Uh, he's finally coming into his own as his own guy. I do truly believe in him. I, me personally, I. It was hard to see him this high, but I think worst case he's 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 top twenty no matter what to me. Yeah. But I I think if he truly does come into his own this year, he's a he's a wide receiver one because he's all they got. Yeah. You know you know what's funny is um I think I want to say it was Andy Holloway of the Fantasy Footballers tweeted yesterday or the day before that the worst possible thing that could have happened for A.J. Brown's career so far was the picture that was taken when he was standing next to D.K. Metcalf just because of how good A.J. Brown was. But, I mean, he, but A.J. Brown himself quote tweeted that and said that I've been playing with a chip on my shoulder my whole life, so it was the best thing that happened. Like, it's, not a, it's not a chip. That's a monster. <laughs> D.K. Metcalf is insane. <sighs> so, anyway, um, I... I like where AJ Brown finished. We're low compared to the fantasy pros expert consensus who has him at wide receiver 10. But I want to pose this question to you two. Terry McLaurin had a better season than AJ Brown last year, pretty handedly. Um, And AJ Brown is getting all the second year progression hype. Why? And team. But like, I think McLaurin, it's I think McLaurin it's did it on a worst, a worse Redskins team last year, and he had a well, better year than Brown. So here's the thing: AJ Brown basically is playing at an almost unrealistic pace for his his yards per target. His just insane no, it's not, there's no almost about it. It is a unrealistic yards per target. Well, that's yeah, it's and legendary. Whereas, whereas Terry McLaurin, the reason he's not getting that big of hype. Is because most games he only had three or four catches. That's really it. Right That's like, yeah, he would have like three for eighty-three and one. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if AJ Brown had three catches, he had one fifty and two touchdowns for some fucking reason. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. that's the big difference right there. I think McLaurin's pro- right now he's probably a more complete receiver to me, but he's got a worse quarterback, worse team, and I, 
I mean, the play action alone on this Tennessee offense gives AJ Brown the chance to be a top fifteen receiver. Just because. I, I don't disagree with that. I just I wonder why the hype. I I, I guess I mean well, it can be that, but I mean they both played at, at elite rookie levels. I mean they both come in at in almost every metric on like an all time list next to Randy Mosses and um, Mike Evans and. Yeah. and Players like that. I mean, man, it's the same thing as we talk about in our interview later with Frank, with Deontay Johnson and uh, Darius Slayton. It's it's guys that basically perform near the same or uh, about the same pace, or they play just as well, and one's getting all the hype and one isn't. That's how it works. Yep. Weird. Fantasy Twitter only wants to talk about one person. That's that's how. It works. That's very true. Where's Deontay on this list? He's not. He's not on this list. <laughs> he, I'll, I'll tell you what he finished. He he doesn't finish above Juju. I'll tell you that. He finished as wide receiver forty. Yeah, that's about right. Damn it! Slow the hype train. <laughs> Damn it! Jared Darius Slayton was wide receiver forty-eight. It's also about right. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Let's finish it off with the last guy All here. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Let me do my job. We'll do it, and I won't do it for you. So wide receiver 12, rounding out our top 12, was DJ Moore. Uh, 91 receptions, 1,132 yards, six touchdowns, 250 fantasy points on 121 targets. Randy put it in a very good way before we started recording. Thank God DJ Moore is on a very, very bad team. Yep. I think the words were a shit team. Yeah, I know. Sean doesn't like to be the one that curses on here for some reason. Hey, yeah. fuck you, man. <laughs> Got him. All right. Um, yeah, DJ Moore, uh, he finished as, I believe, what, wide receiver 16 last year? Yep. Uh, so and, and that was with Kyle Allen. So that's really oh. all the analysis needed. Oh, but guys, on the cut, isn't Robbie Anderson going to take away from DJ Moore? No, he's not going to take away from DJ Moore, you idiot. He's going to take away from Curtis Samuel. Damn straight. Yep, hundred percent. DJ Moore is the only one that can play his his position, his type of receiver on that team. So yeah, and he's gonna. I mean, it's it's almost a perfect correlation because of how Teddy played with Michael Thomas last year, the true number one guy playing pretty much the same kind of style, in my opinion, except maybe a better deep shot with DJ Moore. Who I mean, on occasion here, uh, I think that's what's gonna really carry DJ Moore to this. Water Seer one finish. Teddy B. <laughs> yeah. The, best thing, the, the one other thing I'll say about DJ Moore, nothing beats the Steve Smith video of talking to Cam Newton about what he's going to do for fantasy. It was DJ Moore's rookie season. Have you guys not seen that video? I've seen it, yeah. It's Christian, I'll have to send it to you once we're off air. It's a video of, of Steve Smith talking to Cam Newton while DJ Moore is standing behind him, talking about how should I – should I start DJ Moore this week? And Cam Newton knows exactly what he's doing because like, obviously Steve Smith's kind of an asshole, but he's hilarious. So he's just talking shit the entire two minute video. And then he talks shit to DJ Moore. It's awesome. I'll send it to you. It's so funny. Like that just DJ Moore, it just brought it up, but it's, I think it's nuts. The kind of the jump that DJ Moore made from his rookie year to his second season. And again, that was with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Yeah. Better yeah. quarterback progression continues. Yep. All Side right. Note. Side note. note. DJ Moore was my wide receiver one coming out that year. So 
Just, oh, oh, just want to oh, brag about I, that. I, who else, who else, in all honesty, I'm trying to remember who else was in that class. Calvin Ridley, <laughs> who I also <laughs> love now, but I, I like DJ Moore over Calvin Ridley. I can, yeah, that, it wasn't the strongest class, but yeah. yeah. And, uh, wasn't it Sutton too? Cortland Sutton? Possibly. Sounds yeah. Right. I, I liked Sutton. That would have been all guys that were in their second years last year, right? Yeah. I believe yeah. so. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we will uh, have you guys listen to our interview with Frank Amarante of Rotoball. We have a uh, very special guest here today. We're back for one of our interviews. Now you finally get all three of us. Uh, even though Christian's probably not going to be talking that much, because and which is a shock, obviously, to all of us, because <laughs> how much Christian likes to talk. Um, but <laughs> but uh, so we're we're here for another interview, and today we have Frank Amarante. Uh, he is a contributor for Rotoballer. He is he has his own site that um, is starting up named the Fantasy Joneses, and he is a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Association. And as always, we have Christian. We have Randy. Uh, Frank, how are you doing today, man? Hey, how's it going? Great to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. We're, we're glad to have you. Um, we're, we're very excited. Uh, we know you're passionate about two sports, and we are too, even though we mainly stick to fantasy football. I personally, obviously we were talking about it before we started recording here. I am a huge Major League Baseball fan, so I'm pumped. I know a lot of other people are pumped, so that'll get us right into it for my first question to you is before we start with all the fancy football stuff, you write for MLB, uh, you write MLB stuff for um, Roto Baller. How does it feel to have baseball back? I am very excited. Well, it's just great to have, uh, I'm just hyped to get a fix for fantasy sports now. and Because fan- not even just baseball, I even play a bit of basketball and, and hockey too, fantasy. So like we've had nothing for the past couple of months. So having baseball back is awesome. I know it's only 60 games. It's going to be a wild season. You're going to see like unexpected players leading in certain stats, like because of how, because of how guys just get into streaks and, you know, so it's going to be tough for fantasy and it'll involve much more luck, but I'm just hyped to get back to that. And you could see, I mean, hell, you could even see teams, that you wouldn't normally consider like a team, like maybe the Padres, like the Padres are more of an up and coming team. But uh, I mean, these divisions are wide open. You're talking 60 games to decide the playoffs. Is, it's going to be nuts. And I'm personally excited for the universal DH. I think it's been a long time coming. I hope they integrated going forward. I am sick of watching pitchers go up hitting 080 and bunting every other time. I, I just wanted it. No other sport has rules that are different between two like conferences or leagues within their own sport it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah i agree on honestly they probably won't go back from it this they won't look back to the yeah i'm with you the universal dh is way better and I, who wants to watch a picture yeah, of it? i gotta think they'll just stick with it after Let's hope so. I, After this short season, they can't go I'm back. Not, and I'm not prepared to see the new freaking negotiations that they're going to have before the 2021 season. But obviously, let's just hope that this one gets played and something something good happens. But um, that all right. So that uh, I, I like I said, I could talk about baseball all day, but we are a fantasy football podcast. So the first actual fantasy football question 
uh, we have for you. Give us the one running back sleeper that you would die on a hill for right now. Now we have that the die on a hill thing is something that we like to talk about. Christian's going to die on his hill for Ronald Jones. I'm going to die on my hill saying Le'Veon Bell is going to finish in the top five of running backs this year. What is your running back sleeper that you're willing to die on a hill for this year? If I'm going deep and really digging on this sleeper, it's got to be Antonio Gibson on the Redskins. Because this is a deep sleeper. He's being drafted outside the top 50 in running backs. But this is a, when you look at the running backs available, then there's no one who really can just take the job without an injury. And with the Redskins backfield, I know you got Darius Geis, but he hasn't been the picture of good health. He's been hurt a lot. Adrian Peterson's old now. Uh, Bryce Love has never been healthy yet. He's not really a factor. So there's a path to playing time for Gibson. And uh, they they invested a third-round pick in him, so you have the draft capital. He's As a college receiver, he has great uh, pass-catching skills, and they're going to use him as a running back. And with the new coaching staff with Scott Turner, he loves throwing to running backs. I know he had McCaffrey. That's a big part of his scheme because if you also see they signed J.D. McKissick, who's known as just a pass-catching running back. So it's clear that that's a point of emphasis for him. So the fact that they just compared him, like not necessarily that it'll be McCaffrey, but they compared his skill set to McCaffrey really speaks volumes about how highly they think of Gibson. And I just, this is a deep sleeper. I'm not saying he's going to just jump out and be an RB2, but I mean, there's upside here and you're paying a very low price. Uh, it just, it, it's lining up for him to, even if Geis is, uh, is playing, you're still going to see Gibson do work out of the backfield in the passing game. I mean, this is an offense with limited options. There's just Terry McLaurin and a bunch of uh, first or second year players. So this is a great, cheap investment, cheap flyer that could really be a home run for you. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, obviously, like Darius Geis, they invested the the high capital on him in the draft. But like you said, he wasn't healthy in LSU. He didn't stay healthy his first couple of years with the Redskins. So if there, there's even if he is, let's say he is healthy this year, I see no scenario where it's just him in the backfield. And mm-hmm. Gibson could definitely slide into that role. And I know that they want to use him in multiple spots. I know that they're talking about maybe putting him in the slot at times too. So he, there's definitely value there, especially in PPR league. So I can definitely see that again. Christians is, is Ronald Jones. He's going to die on that Hill. Um, uh, I don't know. If, I'm I don't not going to die. I like him no. too. Hey, I don't know. Eh, well, yeah, but you all Christian, you also hate Keyshawn Vaughn, which I don't know if Frank actually does, but no, I don't know. I see you shaking your head. Don't, don't you start. Don't you start. Um, my Randy's guy, I think, is Naeem Hines uh, to an extent. We were, we, we've been talking about that. I, I don't know, Randy. I'm just kind of trying to come up with one. You're good. And then um, for me, uh, get back to me. I'm not sure. But I will you have one. You bell, bro. That was like the first thing. Well, you no. Said. Yeah. That, well, that's oh, my. Like, yeah. yeah, that bell is my hot take of guys that are being drafted out of like the top 12 yeah. that can end up being top five or even the best running back this year. But yeah. I mean, from your projection, Sean, I would guess yours would be Sony Michelle. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, that's probably true because I think that the touch, I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of under the impression that they're going to try to run the ball more with Stidham because they don't know what they're going to get out of him. So absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but let's move on here. Uh, second question. Uh, Randy, do you want to go ahead and ask that one? Oh yeah. All right. Well, Frank, uh, just from following you, uh, I've seen a lot of times that you're one of the people that are trying to vocalize for Darius Slayton, uh, just kind of trying to put him up there with Deontay Johnson after all the hype he's been getting. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your elevator pitch on him, pretty much? Why why should we be targeting him as our wide receiver three or four, I guess, depending on where your what your uh, strategy is, I guess? Well, with Slayton, one thing I looked at is that I went back and looked at the top 10 uh, rookie receivers since 2015 in PPR points per game. And it went Michael Thomas, Juju, McLaurin, Brown, Amari Cooper, Ridley, Tyree Kill, and then Slayton. So he he had 12 uh, PPR points per game as a rookie. And then I looked at each of those players on that list, what they did in year two. And all of them increased their production like at a pretty high level. I mean, you had Juju, he went from 13.7 points per game to 16.2. You had Cooper, 13, he went to 18. Ridley, everyone basically increased by two points per game. So when you see a rookie receiver have that kind of season, chances are pretty decent that by year two, like like this is something here when he this isn't just a flash in the pan what he did and I know he wasn't drafted so high I believe he was drafted in the fifth round coming out of college but when you see that kind of production in year one it just really it's something that you need to pay close attention to I think I also have another good fact I found out uh, the only rookie receivers last year who were able to put up a 30 plus PPR point game in a year where AJ Brown, Marquise Brown and Slayton. So that, that just shows you this kind of ceiling you could have on a game to game basis. And I know people question it because I know there's golden Tate and there's Sterling Shepard, but I think when Evan Ingram is back, he's going to eat into golden Tate a little more because he's going to be in the middle and Tate does his work in his slot in the slot. Sorry. And Sterling Shepard, I mean, at this point, he's like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, he misses games here and there. We know what he is kind of thing. He's nothing. He's a solid receiver, but Slayton's the premier downfield threat on this team. And this is a team with a terrible offense. They're going to be in shootouts, I think. So I think you have a, a buying opportunity now in, let's say, dynasty leagues because people still – question how good he could be because there's still Tate and Shepard but mm-hmm. so that could give you a chance I have him like around a number 35 receiver for me for redraft leagues nothing crazy but he like on fantasy pros it says he goes around receiver 44 so I'm a bit higher on him I, the mm-hmm. reason with the tweet comparing with Deontay Johnson is just because it seems every time I scroll through my feed it's just <laughs> Someone's hyping Deontay Johnson, which oh, I know he did. He was solid. But if you look at the numbers, Slayton, Slayton had a better year and, and he doesn't have to contend with like an alpha like Juju for targets. So, yeah. I, I, his hype is definitely centered around more of the Juju hype from a couple of years ago 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the number two, without getting the top defensive targets, was eating with Big Ben back at quarterback. And they're expecting Johnson to do that. And he's very talented as well. I love him. But I agree with Slayton. As you said, everyone else in this offense, including Saquon, gets their targets in the middle field. That was what I was preaching last year. Slayton is the only guy that's really on the outside and can win out there. So, mm-hmm. And he seemed to be a touchdown monster during the year. Uh, that was a lot of his points, really. So I actually really like That's why I made sure they put it on here because I wanted to really – I've seen you tweet it, but it was, you're also throwing more stats more than the, just a straight argument. So I was trying to see I, – I knew the stats because of you, but I was trying to see uh, what your exact <laughs> argument was. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I like Deontay Johnson, too. It was just to point out, like, maybe they're closer and maybe Sladen is deserving of a bit, like, of similar hype. That yeah. was my main point with that tweet. Not really yeah. to put down Johnson, but oh, bump yeah. up Sladen. <laughs> well, and Johnson hopefully will regress back to the mean a little bit here uh, with draft position when we get closer to season. Oh, but I definitely agree Sladen needs to be bumped up. Yeah. Be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. so I'll I'll take the next one, John. Ooh, look at this! Wow, yeah. I'm gonna ready. I knew I knew we couldn't hold. No chance. Yeah. Well, so I wrote this question. Um, I'm really interested to see what your opinion is here. So, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager. If you had the the best guess right now, who has the best career? Um, and I guess don't factor in injuries because obviously uh, Rager is probably the most injury prone there. Um, but say they're all healthy their entire career. Who has the best career out of those? You know what? Let's throw, let's throw Jefferson into that one too. That's Make fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still – I got to step up my draft game. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest draft guy. I, I, coming, coming into the draft, I liked – uh, C.D. Lamb the best just as a prospect and when you look at the team he landed on he's going to be paired with at least Michael Gallup on the outside for the foreseeable future I mean Amari Cooper's there but you could see them get out of that contract in a couple years because they'll have a lot of depth anyway a receiver but that's going to be such a stacked offense that I think he's just going to really have opportunities to thrive there and he's a He's got great hands. He has great ability after the catch. And I know there's issues with Dak, but I think in the end, he's going to end up staying. Like He won't leave the Cowboys. And Jalen Rieger is another good one, but I got to go with C.D. Lamb here. Rieger, uh, I just don't think he has... I think Lamb profiles more as like the true alpha receiver than Rieger does, but I do like Rieger as well. I, I mean, all I love... All, all of those receivers you've mentioned. Uh, this is a great receiver class. Henry Ruggs, I just think the Raiders got enamored with his speed. And I don't know, I'd rather, I mean, he could be more valuable for just sticking to real football because of how he, if he's successful, he could just stretch the field and open up for everyone else. But I got to go C.D. Lamb here. And, and I didn't mention Jerry Judy. He's another great one, great route runner i don't trust drew lock too much we'll have to see jury's still out so mm-hmm. based on their situations and just how stacked that cowboys offense is i gotta go cd lamb and jefferson hopefully the vikings give him time in the slot and don't use i'm i think they will i mean they they must have seen that that's where he did his damage so let's hope that they give him enough 
usage there because that's where he thrives. He could be good too. But I got to go with CD Lamb. Can't blame me there. <laughs> that offense is going to be ridiculous this year. Oh, yeah. yeah I did a futures yeah. bet on the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. They were, I think they were. I got to look back on it. I tweeted out, but they were like a value. Maybe they were like 15 to one or something. Hmm. Or That's maybe a little that. higher. I just yeah. think their offense is so stacked. And I think Lamb's going to be make an impact day one, even yeah. in fantasy. It, the only worry I have for them is their line's obviously getting older with huge contracts, but there's just so much money already tied up. I know the co- I know cap goes up every year, so it's almost a myth, but. It's next year and the year after are going to be really, really tough where they got to make key decisions. And hopefully they figure it out because they're, I mean, they're going to be on TV every week. So I want them to be at least fun Mm -hmm. to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Who do you, who do you guys like as your. Well, Christian and I are Browns fans. Randy is a Browns fan. He's a Patriots fan and he's a Raiders fan. Raiders fan first. I, I have. Obviously, I, I'm from here, so I'm a Browns fan. Patriots fans a different reason that I don't get into, but it's okay. <laughs> it's the, the big podcast mystery to our well, listeners. <laughs> I'll never know either. So, <laughs> um, I mean, to end it off, those rookie receivers, like I think a lot of them are going to make an impact right away. Just... Rugs might take longer, though, to be honest. just he, Yeah. He very well could, especially because I'm not quite sure the QB pairing is perfect for his play style. But yeah, and he, check down machine. Well, yeah, and <laughs> and that's it's. I agree with that as well. But it's also he hasn't had any targets for a while either. So we'll see if he can get back to what he he was before he got hurt, maybe in that offensive scheme. But we'll. I that was a completely different coach GM. We'll see how that all works out. It's going to be mm-hmm. close. I, I mean, especially with guys like Waller and Renfro seemingly being his favorite targets already. Yeah, should be interesting. Yeah, what's going to be nuts, too, is, I mean, you're looking at, really, like, Lamb is the one, so you would have to think Rieger is going to start day yeah. one. Um, and then Judy's going to start opposite uh, Cortland Sutton. Ruggs is probably still going to start, even if it's going to take a little bit more time. Even Justin Jefferson, him and Adam Thielen are going to be the one-two there. Lamb is the, is the only question. What's what's nuts is I completely agree that Lamb is, is I think he's going to have the best career out of these guys because he was just nuts in college. It's a great offense, but he's going to be the lowest down the depth chart when you look at like week one too. But he's still going to be able to contribute. That's what's going to be crazy. It's true, but plus they also uh, the loss of Randall Cobb and Jason mm-hmm. Witten. They had a lot more targets than you would think. If like I just asked you out of the blue. Like even myself, when I saw how much they targets they had, I was like, "What?" So yeah, it's somewhere it's in near like one fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think they could. I mean, if they're smart, also they should be a, a just air it out. Like, forget about this uh, pounding the rock with Z. Like, just they should just really have a more of a pass heavy attack, and I could see they could. I could see them supporting three strong fantasy receivers. No, absolutely. And uh, you could argue it's almost going to be a uh, maybe a one and then a 2A and 2B with Gallup and, and Gallup mm-hmm. and Lamb with obviously Cooper when he's healthy is probably the obviously the best out of the three. He's probably still the one out there, but it could be a 2A, 2B situation with, with Lamb and Gallup. 
All right. And then I know that you are big, Frank, on Joe Burrow. Um, oh, yeah. I want to know, strictly redraft-based here with this question, he finishes as QB what in 2020? Uh, this is one of my big hot takes I went with. I wrote an article on this. I, I put Joe Burrow in my top 10 quarterbacks in redraft leagues. Wow. Just because it's wow. a perfect... I know, it's hot. I know, it's bold. It might <laughs> blow up in my face, but it's just... It's a perfect storm of everything with his situation for him to succeed. I mean, you have... He's considered one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks that we've seen probably since Andrew Luck. We saw how he dominated last year with LSU. Uh, he goes to the Bengals, who, with Zach Taylor in his first year as head coach, they passed the ball 616 times, which was sixth in the NFL. And that was with Dalton and Ryan Finley. And so I'm thinking because Burrow's a pro ready quarterback, I don't think. Uh, Taylor is going to really constrain him to like it's not going to be a situation where he has the training wheels so to speak on Burrow as a rookie I think he's going to let him just unleash him and they'll remain that type of pass heavy offense now you look at his weapons he has everything you need he's got the alpha receiver one and AJ Green he's got a good slot receiver and Tyler Boyd T Higgins great with contested catches John Ross even though he's been I guess you could. He's been a big disappointment, but he's still a burner that could take the top off a defense. And you got Joe Mixon. He he's a franchise back, and he could even Bernard can be a pass catcher for them. So he has all he's really missing is that big red zone tight end. But he's got great weapons. I know the offensive line wasn't good last year, but they're getting back their first round offensive tackle, Jonah Williams. That should help it out. And Joe Burrow is obviously more athletic than. Dalton and Finley, so he can probably help mitigate mitigate any pass protection concerns with their O line. <laughs> then you also add in he's got sneaky rushing upside. Burrow, okay. he he put up some, uh, I believe he rushed for around three hundred yards in college, so he's going to add a little bit of fantasy production there. And the Bengals defense going to be one of the worst in the league, so he's got great game script he's going to be in shootouts they're going to be playing catch-up so i just think i know top 10 seems high I just i like to go bold but it's all the pieces are in place for him to do well and you can draft him outside of the top 15 so even if he's not top 10 that might be pushing it i think he will but i'm i'd be happy if he gave me 12th or 13th best which is definitely looking likely in my eyes yeah still qb1 so <laughs> I, yeah, like you said, everything works out. They, I mean, like you said, he doesn't really have the tight end, but if we're really like breaking down his stats with like Thad Moss last year, it wasn't like he used him that often. So I don't know if it would really hinder him that much. The line's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, obviously, OSU is going to have a really good line. We saw a few of them get drafted, but I, like you said, he's athletic. I, I do really believe in him. It's just the top 10 is definitely hot, but they don't they don't pay you to write the consensus, do they? So. No, you gotta you gotta go bold sometimes. I like going bold and you gotta be your own person. I yeah. I love it. They're lying. Be best they're, lying. Frank. they're lying. <laughs> they're lying. They're lying at LSU. Included the Archduke Lloyd Cushenberry third. I love, I love that name. But no, I it's it, it see Frank. I'm an Ohio State fan too. So um, 
he left obviously oh, to yeah. LSU because he lost the job that had he wasn't going to get the job with Haskins, and then Fields came in. It was cool to see him do well at LSU, and even though he never really got the shot, he, he was a hometown Ohio kid. So it, it, it's cool that he's playing, and he, he gets to play in Cincinnati, which obviously isn't isn't too far from Athens. So that'll be great. And you're right, he has a lot of the intangibles that even even when Murray came out or even Baker, like you could argue that. Baker and, and Murray especially have a little bit more – they had a little bit more work to do in their rookie seasons, and we know what happened with Baker. Baker had a very good rookie season, but then he struggled his sophomore year, and then uh, Murray had a decent rookie year. But you're right that of the three guys, Mur- you could argue that Burrow is the most NFL-ready right now. Who knows what that's going to turn into, but, the, I mean, you're, that's, you don't care. Like, when you're doing redrafts, when you're trying to figure out spots that people are landing, you don't care what happens in the future. You want what's going to happen in 2020, and it's very possible that the Bengals are going to be down a lot. They're going to need to throw the ball. Um, they have, a, hopefully, AJ, a healthy A.J. Green and a Tyler Boyd that not a lot of people are talking about. Drafts to T. Higgins, still have John Ross. He's got the weapons. Plus, he has Joe Mixon, who is a very good pass-catching running back out of the backfield, too. Mm. So they're definitely... Definitely the pieces there for Joe Burrow to have a very successful fantasy season. So I, I 100% agree with you there. I would like I could I could definitely see a scenario where he finishes top ten. I I also want to point out if you somebody snipes you uh, and grabs him before you, he very very well could have minuscule stats to start and somewhat struggle because we're not 100% sure how this offseason is going to look. Uh, and like you said, his handcuffs aren't going to be that intense but maybe the first couple games it could be and that might be after a week two you could get the league winner at a quarterback right there it's true and also i that's a good point because late in the season he's got uh like a slew of great matchups he's week 11 at the redskins week 12 versus the giants week 13 at the dolphins week 14 against the cowboys week 16 at houston He's got yep. a real nice schedule to close it out, so that that could be a good move as well. Championship Bye-bye. week against the Houston secondary, sign me up. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Absolutely. But we'll see. No, absolutely. Um, all right, well, those are all the all the questions we have for you, Frank. Do you have, do you have anything? Is there anything you want to ask us? Any, anything of that nature? Uh, sure. What do you, you guys are all, well, sorry, one of, sorry, I forgot which one of you is in a Browns fan, but I'm going to make it a Brown based question. So Randy is a Browns fan because he lives in Cleveland, but he's, but he's also more a Raiders of... fan and a Patriots fan. I'm doing the air quotes for those that you can't see, obviously. <laughs> so I'm um, my own person. All right. So no, we give, we give Christian shit for a lot, but this is something I enjoy giving Randy shit about because of him. So go ahead, Frank. So what do you guys think? How how do you envision this offense looking with uh, Stefanski? Because for me, I think I'm I I think he's going to make it a run more of a run heavy offense and just establish Chubb and use Hunt as a receiver. And I think he's going to do whatever he can to try to take the load off Baker Mayfield, help to uh, reduce those turnovers, and so. By that account, like I, I'm high on uh, the running back. I, I'm not really high on Baker in fantasy. Like, what do you guys think? Because I think so, he's going to be like Kirk Cousins with Mini last year. So Christian and I, so Christian and I can kind of tackle this one together because I think him and I are on the same page. We talked about um, before, obviously before Randy gets there. Randy, you'll have your say. Don't give me that look. Um, so Christian and I both kind of agree that 
of the guys that you're not usually hearing talked about going into the 2020 season, like obviously you got the Mahomes, the Lamars, the Russell Wilsons, the Dak Prescotts, Baker to us is a, is a large possibility to become one of the guys that finishes top five at the quarterback position. And the reason being is he, it looks like, I mean, obviously this is just a lot of speak and who knows what's actually going on, but the, the preparation he's putting into the season is leaps and bounds better than he did from his rookie year going into year two last year. Um, Stefanski's already kind of worked with him on his, um, on his footwork and uh, along with, uh, Alex Van Pelt, the uh, offensive coordinator, the new offensive coordinator, they're 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 adjusting his technique a little bit. You were looking at a year where Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry both came, had to get minor surgeries at the end of last season, so he was playing with two hurt receivers for the majority uh, of the second half of last year. You're going to have Kareem Hunt for a full season. Nick Chubb, as the year went on uh, before Hunt came back, so like once you got into week six and seven. He started to get the passing work a little bit more, so he's starting to get a little bit better there. Plus, you bring in Austin Hooper, who led the – I believe he led tight ends and touchdowns last year. Christian, is that – Sounds right. I think so. Yeah, no, sounds about right. Either way, he had a good year, so your point is – Yeah, so I just think Baker has a lot of weapons, and what Kevin Stefanski can come in and do is going to – probably be the best situation that Baker's dealt with in his three years in Cleveland because. Browns like Hugh Jackson. It was a train wreck. Yeah, obviously they got rid of him. They brought in Freddie Kitchens. It worked for a while, and then last year Freddie Kitchens just looked like he had no idea what he was doing on the field at times. So I think Stefanski is the best coach that he's obviously been with to start his NFL career, and with the healthy pieces and adding Hooper, having a full year of Kareem Hunt, it's very possible that Baker not only surpasses his touchdown total from his rookie year but has a better fantasy season because he could cut down on the turnovers if they're working with them and timing and everything like that. Christian, what do you think? Yeah. So speaking to what you said, Frank, um, about how it's going to be run first, I think that's true. But I also think that Baker Mayfield is traditionally an efficient quarterback. And I think that if Kirk Cousins is able to be efficient in this offense, the number one overall pick from two or three years ago now uh, should be able to be efficient in this offense. I think Nick Chubb is going to open that up for him Um, where I I'm nervous about the, the dark horse. So I put out the, my dark horse candidates to finish number one overall and Baker was my, my pick Um, where I get nervous is the actual yardage, because I think a lot of what they do is going to be, uh, run centric and Nick Chubb's going to get the ball a lot. And I think Kareem Hunt is going to garner some, some touches as well. So I think that's where I would be nervous, but I think that Baker could very well throw for 30 touchdowns over 4,000 yards, um, well over 4,000, uh, closer to 4,500 probably. But, um, but yeah, I think the, the yardage would make me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Randy. Your turn. So, yeah, I don't know why I'm grouped away, but uh, I definitely don't think Baker's going to be top five. I will say that. But we're we're kind of comparing him in the same offense to Kirk Cousins, who in the two years in Minnesota has finished QB 15 and QB 12, respectively. So thinking that Baker, who in general probably is going to be viewed as a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, should be at least able to finish at that level. 
Uh, I think in our consensus, he was like 12. Uh, I think 25 to 30 touchdowns is very realistic. I think the turnovers come down a lot uh, just because it's a very efficient system. It's very run first. I think he's probably thrown for over 4,000. I don't know how much more, though. I think like 41 to 42 is probably the sweet zone. And they're definitely going to be running for over 2,000 yards. So it is for sure run first team, uh, run first offensive scheme, 100%. And even last year, they the, the times the Browns looked good was when they were run first. So to go away from that would be ludicrous. Uh, besides like maybe the opening drives where Baker throws like five quick passes and they get a touchdown, then they don't do anything the rest of the game. Uh, but <laughs> so I, I think they're definitely run first, but I don't think it, it like, I don't think it, handicaps Baker to a full extent because they should be a really efficient offense, like we said, and a very high-powered offense because of all the weapons. Mm-hmm. So the, the touchdown number should be there. So that's basically, like, I think QB10 is probably the highest I would ever say going this year just because it's a new system. I'm not, I worst case, I think he gets 3,800 yards. So I guess the yards are probably the, mm-hmm. the question, like you said. I agree with you guys. I think you're going to see a much improved Baker Mayfield. And uh, I actually wrote an article for a website called The Score Crow, and it was a bold predictions article just with a featuring the on the Browns. And my bold prediction was that Baker Mayfield would throw for less than 10 picks this year. I like I think, that. Boy, I think he's going to be much more efficient, and it's like, like they're going to be more balanced and it's going to help reduce his turnovers. And if you look at his as a rookie, he only threw four, like he threw 14. So it's nothing, it's not the craziest prediction. And and I'm really high on the Browns this year. I think they're going to really bounce back. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not just saying this as a Browns fan, but with the extent expanded playoffs this year, I would like to think that all things being equal, the Browns are one of the better teams in the AFC. Um, we did our, we did our schedule predictions episode. And we all had the Browns making the playoffs at 10 and 6 and being a wild card team. I think that's definitely possible. And like I said, I'm not just trying to be a homer and just saying that. I, I think that's definitely a possibility. It's relatively easy schedules for the AFC North as well. Mm-hmm. The hard, hardest games are going to be facing each other. Yeah, because they, they get the NFC East, which who knows what that, what that conference, that division is going to look it's like. It's hit or miss every week. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously the Cowboys are better, but who knows? Like the Eagles yeah. and the Giants and Redskins, to me, are still going to be very bad teams. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, anything else, Christian, Randy? Do you guys have anything else for Frank here? Uh, no, just, Frank. Do you have any uh, like any upcoming articles or uh, your website going to be coming up? Well, uh, your page coming up a little bit sooner. You want to dive into then. The the next article I I just actually submitted it's a, a to Roto Baller it's about uh, the zero running back strategy when you draft so I just did like a made up draft that I did uh, with uh, using that strategy I just used the ADP to make it realistic so that it's not like I'm getting a, a totally stacked unrealistic team and I'm showing how you should. They approach the draft if you want to use that scenario. Like you just attack in the late rounds with those lottery ticket running backs like Antonio Gibson, like I mentioned. So that's the next article you'll see from me. And with the Fantasy Jones, we just, my friend works on, he makes really cool videos to, and then I do the writing. 
So we'll be look we'll be adding to that as we get closer to the season. That's good. Good stuff. Right. What's your uh, Twitter handle, Frank? Do you know it? So it's uh, F Amarante TFG. Got it. So it's should I spell it? No, we'll no, we'll put it, it in our be, description for you. Say, <laughs> we'll, it'll be tagged. Don't worry. I didn't know if you're gonna keep that in on the recording or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep it. In. <laughs> Oh, well, it was fun. I, I'd be happy to come back on at, with, at any point whenever you guys want. You guys seem like good guys. It's been a pleasure. Awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, and we'll definitely we'll definitely keep you updated. I'm sure we, I'm sure we'd love to have you again, also. So, uh, as the season gets closer, it'll be fun um, to do some redraft stuff with you. So, all right. Um, so that'll do it. Thanks very much, Frank. All right. Take care, guys. All right. So that was awesome. Uh, Thanks again to Frank for coming on. Uh, it, it was great talking to him. We finally had all three of us. Christian said he wasn't going to talk, and then he ended up talking. Go figure. Um, but it, it was great. It was great talking some fancy and some baseball with them. I'm ecstatic that they finally figured something out. Baseball's coming back at the end of July, week a month from today, opening day. It's going to be great. And you guys, I think that'll be the weekend that you guys are in town too. So you uh, July 24th. Yep. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Christian will be sleeping out on the patio. <sighs> he doesn't get a bed or anything. Anyway, um, so follow us on all of our social media at the Cut FFL. Check out our website, officialcutpod.wordpress.com. We are going to continue to be cranking out articles. They're going to get even better um, as we get closer to the season. And then uh, uh, you still can uh, submit to enter our listener league. That's going for a couple more weeks. We talk, we talk about it at the end of every episode. So get your entries in. We'll be selecting the uh, winners to play against the three of us idiots. And the winner will get a signed jersey from Pristine Auction uh, of a player on their team. So wait for that. That'll be awesome. Yeah, that's accurate. Um the the instructions we'll keep retweeting it so that it's not very difficult to find um very simple just have to prove that you listen to us and retweet the thread and then there are some bonus entries there too sounds good boys all right hey randy i'm sorry were you trying to get us out of here that's my job uh nope uh, definitely not I didn't, I didn't think so get out of here <laughs> okay that's my card. know your role all right so, does anyone have anything else before we roll here? Uh, no, I'm good. Christian? Eh? Eh? Uh, All right. Okay. For Andy Hall, Christian Williams, I'm Sean Boyd. We'll talk to you guys later. We go! We go!